This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Let's get into all of that with our opening drive. It's time for the opening opening drive. All right, Dan, Matt Eberflus, Brian Dable. Both (laughs) guys interviewed for the Bears head coaching job. Two of 11 men that interviewed for the position last offseason. Your story coming out in ChicagoTribune.com kind of revisits that entire process, looks at Dable a little deeper, what he has done to make a quick impact with the Giants, similar to but different in the way that Eberflus has made his impact on the Bears. I guess let's just start there because we want to get into also Joe Shane versus Ryan Poles because those two guys were up for the same position at Hallis Hall as they were candidates in New York. Um, in terms of Dable versus Eberflus, what similarities do you see on the service and what differences? Well, I would say the similarities that you see initially after three games uh, of both gentlemen in their new roles is that there is an obvious buy-in from their teams right now, right? And there's a belief in what they're preaching and that their vision has resonated with the players that they're leading. You know as well as I do that that's very common for a new coach and a new coaching staff to be able to get that initially. And the, the big key is sustaining it in a way that, that achieves meaningful results. We know that Matt Nagy was the coach of the year in 2018. We know that Mark Tressman was 3-0 and in his first three games. We know how those tenures ended up here in Lake Forest. And so you don't want to jump to any conclusions early, but in these two guys, you do see results. They've won football games that have been surprising, right? In week one for the Giants, it's Dable going for two with a minute six left with a chance to play for overtime in Nashville against the Titans and saying, screw it, we're going to go for two here. Putting the ball in his best player's hands in Saquon Barkley and getting a 21 to 20 win, that galvanized that locker room and, and made them believe that they were headed some places. Just as Matt Eberflus in his first game coached the Bears through a monsoon and and, and you know, showed them the way to use their grit and their stamina to get a win. So I think those are those are the similarities right out of the gates, that there is some energy that these guys have gotten in their programs. You know it's 2022 when a coach in a major market like Dayball with the Giants in the New York market has an opportunity to take a game against a team that really had no business beating into overtime, goes for two and is applauded for it because did it did he get – you know, positive praise for because it worked or because it showed some guts. I I don't know how I would have felt, Dan. My my inclination is I probably would have said, take the game into overtime and, and see see where it goes. But I, I do wonder when we talk about a buy-in in New York, it's not just the locker room that you have to worry about. It's the intense pressure from the outside. And those external forces can can crush a new coach who isn't a strong had to have a strong personality. Brian Dable, I give him a ton of credit for taking that chance early. It is a game of inches. We saw that with, you know, the Bears in Green Bay and how close they came to making that a one-score game. But even more so, I think the, the, the situation you described and then wrote about in the Tribune with the Giants and going for two, they convert that, and I think that went a long way toward that buy-in that every new coach needs. Well, here's why it was a big deal to me, David. It's because D- Dable spent months – 
talking to his players about the need for them to win football games, right? Like, give me your belief, give me your focus, give me your investment, and I will trust you when the biggest games have the biggest moments and everything's on the line. And so when you talk about that for four months, when you talk about it the night before your season opener, you have no choice but to get into that situation like they got in in Tennessee and say, okay, this is what I've been preaching for months. Now go make me look like a genius, right? And, and again, what was interesting about that is Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator with Chicago Ties, obviously, said, in a play that didn't really work all that well. It's a shovel pass to Saquon Barkley that was essentially blown up in the backfield, and Saquon being Saquon made a couple guys miss and then plowed through three others at the goal line, and all of a sudden you say, okay, does it matter if the play didn't work because the belief and the mindset and the aggression and the determination were there, and they were instilled long before that snap was taken. It's amazing how much more bold a play caller can be when you have Saquon Barkley there to bail you out, and he's special again. He looks like the guy before the injury a couple of years ago at Soldier Field. Bears fans will remember that. He's come a long way to get back to this place where he is now, and he's dangerous. Okay, I have to ask you this, because let's revisit this whole yeah. Dable Bears thing. He was the name that a lot of Bears fans wanted, and they wanted him because of the presence of Justin Fields. Yep. Do you think that – and I, he didn't talk about the experience of interviewing with the Bears like it was something that even resonated with him that he didn't really remember it well. Do you think that he stayed away from the Bears job at all or didn't go after it with everything that he had because of Justin Fields and reservations he had? Or is that reading too much into it? Yeah, I think that's reading too much into it. Okay. Dable was asked at his Wednesday press conference just kind of what he remembered about, one, the Zoom interview that he had with the Bears five uh, person search committee in January and, and to why he was even in the mix for the job, right? To, to put your name in the hunt, you, you, you see something in a franchise that, that, makes you say, hey, I'd be interested in interviewing and, and possibly getting your job. And, and and Dable was very vague with his recollection of that. But this is interesting for a lot of reasons, David. Number one, as you mentioned, he was the most popular name amongst Bears fans in January, in big part for what he had done with Josh Allen in Buffalo. Over four years, he turned Josh Allen into a guy that that people thought was you know overdrafted and wasn't going to make it into a guy who's now a, a annual MVP candidate for a team that's fighting for a Super Bowl. And, and Dable's fingerprints are on that. And so when you're in January and the Bears are rebooting and fans are saying, well, what can we do to jumpstart Justin Fields' career? It made sense to look at Dable. And then more notably, the day before he gets on the Zoom call with the Bears Brain Trust, or, or yeah, the day before, right? He, he goes into a playoff game against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots, and he scores touchdowns on his first seven possessions, or his players did anyway, but his offense did. And so you say, boy, this is a well-timed hot streak for a guy who's certain to get a job in this hiring cycle. The thought process was Dable was a hot name in Miami. The thought process was the Bears should really aggressively pursue him. The thought process was the Giants would be interested and ultimately hired him because Joe Shane, who he was very familiar with from Buffalo, uh, ended up getting their GM job. But boy, for us, David, I think the key point here is that we you go back to 2017 and you knew that the minute the Bears drafted Mitch Trubisky, it was always going to be compared against the guys that they passed on, namely Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. Through a similar lens, the Bears hiring decisions in January to hire Poles, to hire Eberflus, are going to be compared against the guys that they could have had. Listen, there were 10 new coaches hired in the hiring cycle in January, five others Right. Who, who uh, the Bears? Well, I'm sorry, the Bears interviewed 11 and, and, and then there were five others that got jobs elsewhere. So there's a lot of names for us to keep our, our peripheral vision on as the years pass. But Dable is certainly at the forefront of that conversation.
I think at the forefront because of what you said about coaching Josh Allen and Josh Allen's name is the one you hear this week being offered as a point of comparison to not lose hope or faith in Justin Fields, the comparison with their first 14 games and having a four and seven record as a starter and Dable fixed whatever was broken about Josh Allen or certainly receives credit for that. And, and I think that more than some of the other guys who took jobs, the five first time head coaches, Dable was a guy that might be a, a a more obvious point of comparison just because of the importance of the quarterback position. I'll say this about what I've noticed, again, from afar, seeing the way that he's handled his own quarterback situation with Daniel Jones. They need an answer in New York every bit as badly as the Bears in Chicago need one about Justin Fields, probably more so because of the contractual realities they face at the end of the season for Daniel Jones. Yeah. And I don't know if Brian Dable, and maybe this is part of his strength too, and people like about him, I don't think that he has taken the conservative approach with Daniel Jones necessarily the way the Bears and Luke Getze and, and Matt Eberflus have taken with Justin Fields. Well, I think they're two quarterbacks in two different stages of their development and two different sort of futures being seen by the, the the men that oversee them. I think in New York, there's sort of this buzz that that Dable and Shane are going to give it a swing with Daniel Jones. I think the Giants organization and, and the Mara family would be thrilled if they could make that quarterback work and become their long-term answer. But I think if it doesn't, that regime is certainly going to go out in the spring of 2023 and try to find their hand selected guy that they can then try to turn into their Josh Allen. Right. And so that's, that's something to keep an eye on here in Chicago. I think that the bears have sort of, uh, you know, they're, they're further behind in that timeline and, and willing to be patient with Justin and try to get this thing unlocked. We're three games in, we all know, how unimpressive the first three games of the season have been in terms of how Justin has played and how the passing attack has gone. And so that's just another part of the storyline that makes you kind of revisit January and say, well, okay, did they put enough thought into what exactly was needed to get this young quarterback unlocked? It's a question we're going to have to ask this weekend. It's a question we're going to have to ask in January. It's going to ha- a question we're going to have to ask until there's a an answer to where Justin's career is headed, right? And so, and so some of that is 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 really baked into this entire matchup on Sunday. I'm going to get back to that in our segment on QB1 later in the pod because I have some thoughts about that that kind of triggered me when you mentioned it. Okay, Okay. let's stick with the comparison, though. Here we are with Dable, who hires a CEO for his defense, basically. Wink Martindale comes over from the Ravens. Well-respected defensive coordinator. Going to give Justin Fields, frankly, some fits, I think, on Sunday, trying to figure things out and trying to confuse him. Much the way that Matt Eberflus got a less experienced guy in Luke Getze, but Luke Getze is is the assistant head coach slash offense, or however you want to call him, he's in charge of the offense, and Matt Eberflus is overseeing the whole thing. Do you see similarities in the way that they have structured their staff? Well, look, I think you're trying to find guys that you believe in to run the other side of the ball of which you are not a master in, right? And they, they, they both seem to have hit on guys that they're very comfortable with, very confident, and who they believe can can oversee that side of the ball without a whole lot of uh, extra attention needed, right? And so that's a, an advantage you have when you're a first-time coach to be able to to do that. It's also interesting, David, that both men chose not to call plays, right, in their expertise. Right. Brian right. Dable gives the, the play-calling duties to Mike Kafka. Iberflus obviously hands those over to, to Alan Williams for the Bears defense. And so that's a, a decision, right? That's a decision made to to free yourself up to have a, a greater big picture lens on what you're trying to build. And I think it's a smart call by both men to do that. And they both obviously uh, have, have shown that they've gotten some really early results and, and they'll have to show a lot more results as we go on. I think it was smart too. I think it was probably harder for Dable to do that only because it seems like it's harder for defensive guy or offensive guys to let go of that 
the, the, the play calling duties and that they feel more connected than it is maybe for defensive guys who are more, uh, I mean, that's a generalization, but I think it probably was harder on Dable in this case because that's his toy, you know, everybody, and he's also got Saquon Barkley that he's yeah. inheriting. So as much as it is about the quarterback, you still have the running back. All right, let's look at the front office. Let's look at um, the comparison between Joe Shane, Midwestern guy yeah, from Elkhart, Indiana. I'm familiar with the family and his high school football career. And he went to DePaul University, was a, a wide receiver there, you know, small college you know, star, and he comes into the NFL, pays his dues, kind of a young hotshot executive, and he fits in well so far in New York. How close did he come to getting the job at House Hall? It sure doesn't seem like very close, right? There wasn't a right. lot of uh, second second interest shown. He, you know, he won a 14 GM candidates. And David, when you talk to people around the league, one of the things that has puzzled them uh, since the Bears process was going on, and it, you know, it's revisited when you, you you know you reach out about stories like this is that the bears did this very calculated approach to casting a wide net, right? They, 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 they do 25 zoom interviews over a 13 day span, 14 GM candidates, 11 head coaching candidates. But then when they hired the general manager, they got really quickly from the point of hiring the general manager to hiring a head coach, you know, basically Ryan Poles conducted uh, three interviews, Dan called uh, Dan Quinn, Jim Caldwell, and Matt Eberflus over two days and settled on Eberflus. And there's some 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 confusion as to why that net wasn't cast a little wire once you had a new GM. And it, it's relevant in the Dable conversation because, as you know, Ryan Poles was in Arrowhead Stadium in January when the Chiefs and Bills played that unforgettable, almost iconic playoff game that ended with uh, the Chiefs winning the coin flip and going right down the field after uh, Josh Allen had led two go-ahead drives in the final two minutes of, of regulation. And, and so you have this moment where, where you say, if you're Ryan Poles, how much did you consider Brian Dable as a guy you might want to unite with, right? Like you watched his offense up close, put on that show in front of you and even at the very least wouldn't you be interested to talk to him just for the the, the very sake of picking his brain and stealing maybe seven <laughs> eight nine ten nuggets on how did you get josh allen from point a to point z i can't imagine anything that happened during a job interview that would be more impactful impressive <laughs> than that display of offensive football over two weeks in the playoffs right yeah. okay here it is there's my tape talk to me call me if you want me and so I think that's a really good point in memory. I just wonder if it was always going to be Shane and Dable, the package deal. And I wonder if that was going to be something that kind of kept the Bears from from or polls from maybe going that direction. Also, let's let's remember this. We will never know the extent to which Trace Armstrong played a, a, a role in the matchmaking of this Eberflus polls marriage. Now, obviously, Trace, the agent for both guys. We also remember during the, the introductory press conference when I asked the question about the, the link that the agent provided between yeah. both men, they were uncomfortable. So that might have also played a role behind the scenes that we'll never know. Well, it's the same in New York because the Joe Shane and, and Brian Dable share an agent as well. And so that's part of the, the business of the NFL that most fans probably aren't aware of and some of the arranged marriages and things that go on in that regard that, that make you, you know, just stop and say, is this the best way to do things? Uh, Look, both these organizations have have uh, a steep mountain to climb, right, to get themselves out of <laughs> this decades-long trap that they've been in. Listen, the Giants, past three head coaches, David, haven't made it to a third season, right? Like, so Brian Dable's seat is already hot, even at 2-1, and one, because they just haven't had results recently to keep guys around for very long. We know the coaching turnover that's happened inside this building at Hallis Hall. And so even uh, if one of these two coaches gets off to a 3-1 start, maybe 4-1, maybe, hey, 
five and one, five and two, who knows where they're at. All of a sudden you start thinking big things and you say, boy, it's a long road, right? Like this is a long haul and we're going to have to keep our eyes on both situations for a long time. See what happens with Brian Dable. See what happens with Matt Eberflus. See what happens with Daniel Jones. See what happens with Justin Fields. There's a lot to keep track of here in the years to come. But certainly when you go through a process like the Bears went through in January, uh, it's inevitable that the comparison game is going to going to last and that it's going to be something that that people cling to uh, both with revisionist history and with some, you know, history that was very real in the moment. And as I mentioned at the start, I, I, you go through that list of 11 coaching candidates that they talked to over Zoom in January. There's no question that Brian Dable excited the masses in Chicago more than any of the other 10. And history that goes back even further, Dan, for all the traditionalists out there. We know there are some in our audience that remember, you know, the fact that the Bears and the Giants, both family-owned businesses, the Maras and the McCaskies, these are part of Mm -hmm. the iconic NFL uh, structure for a very long time, and the league is, is... you know, is built with with uh, a lot of this kind of tradition that you see with, with both these franchises. So there's the past, there's the future, and right now the present Sunday, both teams with coaches that are new, quarterbacks with something to prove, and general managers on their first go-around. So one thing I wanted to add before we finish up this, up this, this discussion is in my reporting for the story I did, this is a, a notable thing that a, a, a league source said to me, and it's an interesting exercise for you to do, for our audience to do, to just think about this. He said, just take like five seconds to think about the teams in the NFL that you consider to be great teams, teams that have sustained excellence for at least three, four, five years, right? And now, he said, go through the, 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 the checklist of the five principles. He said, these are the five principles that you need to have just to have a chance to have a chance, right? So you think about the great teams and then think about the Giants and the Bears and how these apply. He said, number one, you need great ownership. Number two, you need great administration. Number three, you need great players. Number four, you need a great coach. Number five, you need luck. And those are just the things, the prerequisites to have a chance to have a chance. And when you go through that list and you think about the situation here at House Hall and where it's been for the last 20 years, 10 years, five years, whatever it may be, you say, oh, boy, they haven't checked off the prerequisite boxes to even have a chance to have a chance. And you know what the most important one of those five might be and the one that we never talk about because it really it sounds like an apology is luck. There's yeah, got oh, sure. to be luck in any development of any champion in any season in any tenure, you have to have some degree of luck and that has to play a big role in what happens next. Yeah. 